This is our second in a series of interviews with state legislators with your host, C. Richard Archie. Today we have with us Representative Clay Doggett from District 70, which currently includes all of Giles and a portion of Lawrence County. What, if any, changes have occurred to your district with the recently released redistricting plan, Clay? What has happened is we've got, uh, whereas before I had about two-thirds of Lawrence County, and now with this proposed redistricting plan, I'm going to come down to about half of Lawrence County, and then I'm going to keep all of Giles County where I live and pick up about roughly half of Lincoln County. That's new ground for you, isn't it? It is. It's it's brand new ground, new territory. I have spoken with a number of representatives uh, in the last couple of days since this plan's come out, and I see this as kind of a major shift. Of course, it all has to do with population and the density, and I think each district has to have a very similar number of folks to represent. This is going to be a, a major sea change for the state legislature, I think the adjunct of a portion of Lincoln County. Do you see that as a help or a hindrance to you? Well, I I think it'll be a, a nice help. I've got a lot of people that I've met over the years from Lincoln County and have grown close to over there. And Even before I was elected to office, I used to go to numerous events that they would have over in Lincoln County. And so I built up quite a, a nice little network of folks over there and even uh a lot of folks got excited in Lincoln County when I was running for office because they uh, they thought I was going to be running in their district. 20, maybe 30 years ago, parts of Lincoln County were in Giles, was tied into the district with Giles County, and even Marshall County was in there at that time, but the districts have changed. And so I'm looking forward to it. If I'm fortunate enough to, to win re-election, I'm looking forward to being able to serve the, the people of Lincoln County as well. How long have you been in the Tennessee General Assembly? I'm finishing up my second term. At the end of this next year, at the end of the 22 session, that will have been four years for you, correct? That is correct. uh, That'll be four years. I was first elected in 18, began serving uh, in the 111th in January of 19. What committee assignments do you currently have? Currently, I serve on the full agriculture committee. And then also on a committee called Naming and Designating, I was made the chairman of the Criminal Justice Subcommittee and then serve on the full Criminal Justice Committee. Do you have any idea of any changes to members of the committee in the upcoming year? Of course, that that gets reset, I guess, each session. I know one of the things that's going to be of interest to TFA is the sad passing of Judge Carter, his Mm -hmm. committee assignment. He was in civil justice, I believe, but he has always been a great friend to us. And so we're watching that one with bated breath for sure. But have we heard any rumors yet about any changes in the committees so far? I haven't heard any changes yet, and I'm I'm sure that I'm fairly certain that there will be a a change in the committee that, that Mike Carter was on. He always did a, a fantastic job and helped me out quite a bit with a lot of the bills that I've carried over the last three years. And even when he was sick this last year, uh, he tried to come a few times when he could in the session. And he and I talked and I, I asked him, I said, Mike, you feel like looking at anything I got going on? And he said, well, sure. You know, he was always willing to help. And 
he'd sit down with me and read through some things and give suggestions on how to make some of these bills work and stay within the realm of the Constitution and what the original intent was with, with our founders of our state when they drafted our Constitution. And so he he is going to we're going to be at a big loss without Mike for certain. I will make this statement to the folks listening. When we ran the civil immunity bill, the sponsor of that, Chris Todd, had John Harris and I come into the General Assembly, and we sat down in Mike Carter's office, and uh, Representative Lambert came in, and we sat down and kind of beat that bill into a fashion that we felt like could get passed. And, and I have to say oh, a great deal of gratitude to Mike Carter for having helped author that to make the changes that were necessary to get it over the finish line. we I've been trying personally to get that bill passed for the last 15 years. We had run it a couple of times until this last time when we actually sat down and had the judge help us craft this. It had gone nowhere, so I'm very, very grateful to him. We're certainly going to miss him. What legislation have you carried that impacts the right to keep and bear arms in Tennessee in your previous uh, sessions, Clay? Well, a couple of years ago, I carried a bill that you guys helped me with, and we were adding into the Tennessee Firearms Protection Act that's already listed in code. We were listing uh, the Second Amendment as a civil right. We started that in the 2020 portion of session, the year that COVID came about, and, um, and we got it passed through the Judicial Committee the full judicial committee that year. And uh, of course, it never was taken up uh, any further than that because the the Senate didn't run, didn't run that bill that year after that was when we had come back from our first little run with COVID. We carried it again this year and, and unfortunately it didn't even make it out of the Senate at all. It died in the in the Senate committee, which was very discouraging. We were able to pass uh, a bill, House Bill 902, and that was an anti-registry bill. We called it the Second Amendment Privacy and Protection Act of 2021. That was a bill that the Tennessee Farm Association had helped me with as well. And I was glad to see that uh, we were able to get that bill through and went into uh, effect in, in July of this last year, of this year. Correct me if I'm wrong, but isn't your past history in law enforcement it is. It is. I, I served uh, right at five years in law enforcement uh, here in Giles County. And so, yes, I do have that law enforcement background. To your knowledge, do you have any idea why your bill, Second Amendment as a Civil Right, didn't get out of the Senate? Do, do you know who opposed that or what the reason for that was? I really don't know because all the objections that we had had to that bill from the year before had been addressed. They had the exact same language that, that I had. We had made some changes to it in 2020. We had made some amendments in there. We had cleaned up a, a little bit of language. And so when we come back this, this year for uh, the first part of the 112, I had brought that bill as it was, as it, as it passed out of Judiciary Committee the year before. I brought that bill and, and moved it had a tough time moving in the House this year because of the way the committees are made up uh, in the Senate. I don't even believe it got a second, uh, you know, which is a procedural 
motion that's done in, in the committees, but I'm, if my memory is correct, it didn't get the second, which basically says the bill is dead. I had zero persons, groups, anyone come to my office going into even leading up to the day that I presented the bill. And, and generally, when you've got someone opposing your, your legislation, you're going to know it uh, at least the day of the, the of the committee when you're going to present it. I had zero, zero folks come to me expressing their their issues. And so I, I don't know what happened there in the Senate because the Senate sponsor thought that everything was was good to go when he walked in and it, it fell flat on the floor right there. Was it in Senate Judiciary? Uh, yes, sir, it sure was. Okay, and didn't get a second. Well, that is troubling, to say the least, but it will give us something we can strive for again. You know, maybe we need to redouble our efforts and see if we can't get that across the board. Because as far as I'm concerned, it certainly is a civil right. If you look at what the Supreme Court did in McDonald v. City of Chicago, they incorporated the Second Amendment against the states through the 14th, through the Due Process Clause, and, and that has everything to do with civil rights. I'm, I'm a little concerned that we couldn't start enough interest in the Senate to even get that a second look or to put it on the floor in debate. You can always go back to a conference committee and change something, but to just flat out not even give it a hearing is, is a little bit troubling, but wasn't anything that you did wrong. It's just that we probably need to redouble our efforts, I guess. What well, here's the here's the interesting thing, Richard, is that uh, that bill died in that Senate Judiciary Committee. The very next bill presented was this House Bill 902, which was Senate Bill 1334, the one I referenced a few minutes ago, the Second Amendment Privacy and Protection Act, and it passed. The bill listing our Second Amendment is a civil right, didn't even get a second, but this bill got a second and passed, and they were presented back to back. I don't understand it. I can't figure it out. If we were smart enough to understand everything that happens in the General Assembly, folks would be calling us, asking our opinion of us having to work for a living, I suspect. <laughs> what, um, what do you see the upcoming legislative session with respect to the Second Amendment issues? Do you know of any that are out there? Do, have you heard any bills that are being sponsored that are of import yet? Well, to be honest, I haven't heard anything really yet. You know, I know coming up in the next couple of weeks, I'll, I'll be hearing some more. But a lot of my colleagues have, have learned, and, and it's a lesson that I've learned, too, is you've got to uh, play your cards close to your chest because uh, a lot of times if you start talking about legislation, before you get there, other members will go and file the same thing that you're doing, which there's nothing wrong with that. A lot of times, you know, the wrong messenger can, can be toting the bill that uh, they jump out there in front and, and the whole issue ends up dying before you get a chance. The bills that, that I've carried with uh, the TFA and that we've worked, we put a lot of time and effort into those and making sure that we're getting everything right, all of our eyes are dotted and our T's are crossed and we want to make sure that when we walk into committee that we've got a real good piece of legislation, something that's going to, one, promote and protect the freedoms and liberties of Tennesseans and folks that are coming here from out of state, that whether they're passing through, visiting, what have you, we want to make sure that those folks are protected. 
it's important a lot of times I think now is don't really put out there as much of, of what you are wanting to do. And I know that some folks will do it. We'll put bills out there to, to pick up some media attention and some other things. But I'm looking forward to getting back in the next couple of weeks and seeing what we've got out there uh, going forward. Yeah, that's that's coming up pretty quickly here, too, isn't it? It is. It's right around the corner. You think of sessions starting and, and people think, well, you know, it's all happening in March and February and March, but you have to start counting your votes early on. If you have proposed legislation, I think what you've got to start doing is talking to your fellows up there. Pretty much, I believe, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, you know before you walk into the committee whether you've got a good chance of getting that bill passed or not, don't you? Oh, absolutely. If you if you don't know the outcome before you walk in, then you, you haven't done your work. Because you can walk in, I, and I've seen it as a as a chairman of a subcommittee, that people have walked in blind to what is about to happen. The main reason for that is that, one, they, they haven't spoken with the members of the committee. They haven't worked their legislation, and so they come in and just kind of like a piece of baloney, they throw it on the wall to see if it'll stick and end up a lot of times don't always turn out good. Over the course of the years, I have had the opportunity on a number of occasions to come up and testify in committee. Over the last couple of years, a number of folks have been somewhat of the opinion that we should be doing more of that. And I've about got to the point where I don't think that the testimony in the committees has a whole lot to do with the way the committee is going to vote. What's your opinion of that? You know, I think that it, at times it can help. Uh, there was a couple of bills that come through my committee this last year that I'd spoken with members beforehand, just asking what their thoughts were on the particular bill or what have you that we were talking about and kind of got a feeling as to where that person, that, that committee member may be on the vote. And, and what I try to do is, as a chairman is when I see that, okay, it, it doesn't sound like you may not have the votes the way the, or, or committee members may say, you know, I, I like the concept of the bill, but if it would do this, this and this, I, I could really get behind it, and support it. But the way the way it's written right now, I've got issues with. And so I go to that member and say, you know, hey, here's the concerns or here's the issues with your bill. If you're interested in maybe moving it to next week so you can make changes, if that's something that you're interested in doing or if you want to run it and and see what happens, you're welcome to do that as well. And a lot of times a member will, will work on their bill. They'll say, you know, I, that's something that I hadn't thought of or hadn't been brought to my attention before, so I'll certainly work on that and, and move forward. But I've also heard times when committee members said, you know, hey, the, the person that gave this testimony has said something that I didn't even think of, and let's change my position on on the bill or or give me something else to think of. So. I think testimony is very important in the committee process because it gives members opportunities to hear what different voices are bringing to them. Because not every citizen of our state that has a concern about the Second Amendment may have the opportunity to come to Nashville. But they have groups such as the Tennessee Farms Association that will come in and can speak and advocate on their behalf. So I think it's very important that when you or John Harris or others come in and testify in a committee, you're not only giving, expressing your opinion, but you're also expressing the opinion and the views of 
the hundreds and, and thousands of TFA members that are across the state. And that's something that members of the General Assembly need to be aware of. They need to know that this voice is out there. What would be the procedure then if you were interested in a specific bill? How would you manage to get on the list of individuals that could actually testify? It's uh, it's pretty simple. You uh, contact my office. If it's coming through my committee, uh, you just contact my office and let them know that you would like to speak on the bill. You, you tell them what the bill number is. One thing that we ask is that you will have some prepared remarks because you'll be given three to five minutes to speak on the bill as to whether you are in support of or opposition of. And then after those that time of remarks that you have, you'll be able to, to take questions if the committee wants to ask you any questions. The reason we do the, the remarks, we ask you to, to send in your prepared remarks, is that gives us an opportunity to read through what you're going to say and, and gives us time to look through and say, make notes. Hey, I'm, I'm going to, they're going to say this. I want to ask them a question about why they feel this way or that way on, on this bill. And so real simple, you just give us a call and then we'll, we'll take care of you from there. That leads me into what's going to be the last question in this interview. What steps can the average TFA member take to further the restoration of our rights to arms in Tennessee? What would be your suggestion for our fellow members how they approach the legislature and these bills outside of staying appraised of what's coming up for review and what's coming up in committee? What are the steps that you would suggest that our members take to advocate in a good way for our bills? Sure. Well, one thing I would say is be in contact with your elected representative. And so if you know, even if you're representative is not maybe in that committee you want to be sure to let them know one where your stance is on on these bills and and on protecting our second amendments and restoring those rights make sure that your local representative knows the second thing i would say to do is to contact the members if it's coming through for instance if it was coming through my committee is to give my office a call and then call every member on that committee and tell them who you are, where you live, the reason why you're calling, and ask them to support or oppose whatever legislation is coming through. Ask them questions about what their stance is on protecting or restoring our Second Amendment rights. Ask, ask those questions to these, these members when you speak to them. Uh, if you don't have a chance to call, send them an email. We get a lot of form emails that are sent to us that just say, and, and they all say the exact same thing. It'll be three or four paragraphs, and then it'll have their name on there. Sometimes they'll just have a first name or a nickname or something like that. I always encourage folks to sit down and, and write your own email. It's okay to copy it and paste it to other members or email several at one time. Always include your name and your, your phone number and your address, and so we can... Maybe we can contact you either by email or, or call you back. I always like to know where folks are calling from when they call. And, and so that, that would be my recommendation is to, to stay in constant contact. And several members have newsletters that go out each week. And so ask to be a, a part of that newsletter and, and you can get some information that's going through. Also go through the General Assembly website. You can look up by bills or bill numbers. Uh, you can even look by by bill type, and it's it's our website is, in my opinion, difficult to navigate through at times. 
but you can go through the website and see where the bills are and when they're coming through committees and have that opportunity to, to call those committee members to speak to them. Well, I will add this, and I give this advice to our membership all the time. Whether you support or oppose any issue whatsoever, when you call that legislator's office, be sure that you're polite to the individual that's answering the phone. I know this from personal dealings with a lot of them. The individual that's actually answering the phone for a representative or a senator doesn't necessarily have the same political bent or view as that senator. But I can promise this, if you call up there and you're mad and you're disrespectful or you're rude to that individual, your thoughts are not going to get through to the representative or to the senator. So you want to be sure that when you are contacting those individuals, that you keep your comments to the point that you're as brief as possible because they're working for a living just like we are. Be gentle and be kind. Make your points known, but don't ever be rude. That's not going to help your issue at all. And so <laughs> that's that's the advice I give. I, I think that I'm correct in that assumption, am I not? That's very good advice. And one thing that I, I tell people at home here when uh, when I do town halls or, or uh, speak at civic clubs, you know, if the – the lady that answers the phone in my office is she doesn't have a vote. A lot of times people will vent, which is completely fine. You know, they call and they, and they vent, but they, they take up a lot of time telling her why that she shouldn't vote this way or that way. And there's a disconnect. So what I encourage folks to do is call and leave the reason for why you're calling. And then I'll give you a call back and you can yell at me all you want. So, uh, I'll be glad to be glad to take it. Well, and, and I can say this from personal experience too. Uh, you've been extremely good in in returning my calls. The committee assignment that you have deals with a lot of our issues, and I've been extremely pleased with the response that I've gotten. It is our duty under Article One, Section Twenty Three, to instruct our representatives. And if folks don't know that, they can go and and read the Tennessee Constitution and find out that that's our job that we are saddled with that responsibility, and, and I take it seriously. And I think I do a fair job. Chris said the other day, he said, oh, yeah, you take that real serious. Like, one of the things we've got to do, we've got to stay in tune with our legislators. And, and again, you and I can have a difference of opinion, but we can be nice about it. We don't have to be ugly when we talk. And I don't think that ever helps anything. One or two things you and I have disagreed on, we make our case and we go forward. I will say this across the board for those listening. Representative Doggett has been an extremely good friend of the Tennessee Firearms Association. All you guys out there that are in his district and that can help him get reelected, you need to do so. With that, I'm going to thank you for your time. I appreciate you taking this out of your busy schedule to have this chance to talk with us. It's not everybody gets to hear the voice of a representative, but what we're doing in TFA now we're doing our best to have a number of representatives come on and to do these interviews, and it gives us a chance to get that voice and to get that knowledge out to our general membership. So, Clay, I really appreciate your time. Thank you so much, and we look forward to the next session. Yes, thank you so much. This concludes our interview with Representative Clay Doggett. We hope that you'll tune in next time as we strive to bring to the membership an opportunity to hear from our elected representatives. Thank you and good day.